You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Father, I thank you for this new series, uh, The Real Antichrist. And I thank you, Father, that you have called me to teach the body of Christ uh, the truth about this topic. And I thank you, Father, that you have created me to be brave and to be bold. Uh, And so, Father, I just uh, speak over myself right now, Father, and I just declare that your braveness and your boldness, along with your humility, is operating in me, Father, just as just as it operates in all of us, God, because the fruit of the spirit is the fruit of your character that 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 shines through us through our union with Jesus. And so, Father, as we uh, dive into this topic today, I pray that you would just enlighten the eyes of my understanding. I pray that you would think through my mind. I just yield my body to you as a living sacrifice. And I thank you, Father, that you are drawing people to this podcast that need to hear this message, Father. I pray that um, the spirit of liberty, the Holy Spirit would work mightily in the lives of people to set them free, Father, from fear. And honestly, Father, from just bad doctrine and wrong theology and a negative pessimistic worldview. I pray, Father, that um, the truth would shine forth with clarity and that you would be glorified, Jesus, and your victory over the world would become even more clear to everyone. So I bless this series, Father. I bless uh, this message. I declare that it will go forward and forth with uh, unhindered and unchecked from any outside force, and I give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, awesome, you guys. I'm glad that you are here joining me live this morning, and uh, I'm excited about uh, the release of this podcast when it will come out. Uh, I am kicking off a new series today, and it's called The Real Antichrist. And, um, you know, I knew the title was going to be controversial, but I also knew that this was a topic that we needed to talk about. If you've been listening to my podcast for very long, you know that I am on an assignment to heal the illusion of separation from God within the body of Christ and within uh, those of us that, you know, consider ourselves to be uh, followers of Jesus. And I talk a lot about the illusion of separation. I, I preach a lot on scriptures like Christ and you, the hope of glory, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus is, so are we in this world. I teach a lot out of the epistles. I teach uh, about a victorious church, right? That is absolutely proclaimed in uh, Ephesians and Colossians. I talk about the reconciliation that Jesus accomplished uh, on the cross, right? God was in Christ reconciling the world, reconciling the cosmos to himself. And so uh, if you've been following me or listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I preach a really happy gospel. I preach um, a gospel that is really, really good news. And I just wanted to tackle this topic because we live in such a, a time in history where we are faced with doctrines that honestly didn't even exist uh, for hundreds of years. And we, they're, they're new. They're new doctrines. Um, most of us, if we grew up in fundamental evangelical Christian circles, meaning we grew up in a traditional Protestant denomination, or we grew up uh, in a charismatic tradition, well, we have been taught kind of a, a view of the, the, the end of the world that is frankly scary. It's frankly, um, uh, 
uh, I don't even know how many adjectives to use to describe it, but it, it has caused a lot of issues. Uh, a lot of issues in our own personal life. I mean, I know I grew up with a very pessimistic, scary uh, view of the end world, of the end uh, uh, of eschatology of, of the end times. Uh, I grew up in, in, you know, the, as a child when uh, the, the Tim LaHaye books were published, right? Uh, Left Behind, the Left Behind series. And many people really took what was a fictional work uh, and actually began to incorporate that as to like, this is the, this is the way it works. And so this is the truth. This is the way that the end times are actually going to happen. And this, this particular series is not necessarily going to be diving deep into eschatology per se. Although I'm going to be giving you a lot of good resources that if you want to go study that out more for yourself, you are welcome to go do that. Um, But really, the focus of this podcast is going to be on the term Antichrist. And what is that really? Uh, Is that, you know, a person that's going to appear and take over the world? And is there, you know, and, and persecute Christians and and. Uh, cause many to fall away, or is it something different? And of course, that that concept is tied very closely into our eschatology, uh, eschatology, eschatology, and our view of the end times. But this is a big, broad topic, and so I really wanted to begin by just kind of taking this uh, this term antichrist and and unpacking it a little bit for you, and challenging maybe some of the things that we've been taught. And um, I always say this on this podcast, right? Um, my, my goal in all of the work that I do in healing the illusion from separation from God. So whether that's emerge, whether that's our graduate programs, whether this is podcast, whether it's my books, whether it's anything that I do, it's always to create a safe place for people to learn. One of the things that, um, grieves me the most. And I really does believe, I really do believe grieves the Holy Spirit as well is that we have a culture in Western evangelical uh, Christianity that has almost made it um, heresy to even question the things that we've been taught. And not only is it heresy to question, but we've also been inundated with a fear of questioning. And what I mean by that is even to question it is is scary because it, you can be so easily deceived. And there has been a lens that has put on um, Western Christians that that has caused us honestly to just not be not study to show ourselves approved. But we have just taken the doctrines that have honestly been passed down from others, and we or we have we've only been taught one version of. Uh, of doctrine, right? I mean, you can take something like atonement theories and most of us have only been taught penal substitution, even though there's many other uh, ways to view the atoning work of Jesus. And so the same is with eschatology and the same is with this term antichrist. And so I just wanted to say that up front that I am a big believer in us being students, us being students and, and us forming a, a theology, which is just our understanding of God that is educated. And when I hear people say, you know, I just need to read the Bible. That's all I need to read. Well, the, the problem is, is that you don't just read your Bible because unless you read Hebrew or unless you read Greek, every single version, every single translation that we have of the Bible is in fact a paraphrase. It's a translation. So we aren't even necessarily reading just the Bible. And 
it's the only topic. I mean, sometimes when people say this, it's like, what other topic do you only study one book about? Like studying the church fathers, studying, uh, what Christians throughout history believed is, is, is the only way to be informed. Understanding the cultural, uh, context of the scripture is really important if you're going to understand the heart behind the scriptures and there's a lot of topics that I probably am going to be covering for the remainder of the year that I really want to come after some of these sacred cows that a lot of people have been afraid to study on their own, or maybe they didn't know where to go to study on their own. And, and maybe they weren't even aware that there are, there is more than one view on these topics. And so anyway, I just wanted to kind of give you my heart before we jump into the, to the, to the issue today. So I want to start by just telling you a couple of things and reading some scriptures. So I brought it up on my phone. Let me make sure that I can find it again. Uh, okay. So there are only four scriptures that the term antichrist is actually used in scripture. Okay. They were only used by the apostle John and they were only used in two of his epistles. Okay. So in first and second John and the Greek word that he used in his original writing in those letters uh, is antichristos. And I can't, I mean, it's a Greek word, okay? Which the literal meaning of the word antichrist means against Christ, okay? So anti, you know, we know that, right? It's it's anti whatever it is that you're anti against, like you're anti-abortion, Right. You're anti-women's rights. It tells you what you're against when you're anti-something. And so antichrist is really about being against Christ, okay? Now, Christ is not Jesus's last name, okay? Who, um, when, when, <laughs> when we talk about Jesus being the Messiah or the Christ, the Greek word Christ means truly the anointed one and his anointing. That is the definition of the word Christ, but when we think about scriptures that I talk about a lot that says, you know, for example, in Colossians 1, I believe it's Colossians 1, 17, uh, when it talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? We're talking about the presence of God. What is the anointing? The anointing is the spirit of God. The anointing isn't something that God possesses. It's the very presence of God himself. And if something is going to be anti-Christ, it's going to be anti the spirit of God, anti the presence of God, anti the anointing of God. So it's against, I want to say this, against the gospel. So let me just, you know, quickly read these four scriptures to you. Okay. The first one is in 1 John 2, 18. It says, children, it is the last hour, as you have heard, that antichrist is coming. So now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Okay. Now, the first thing I want to say about this scripture is that right here, it singles out that the antichrist is not something that's going on in the future. In fact, it, it talks about the antichrist coming. And then it says there's already been many antichrists that have come. It also talks about this idea that we know it's the last hour. So here's another thing that I should just briefly talk about here. If you if you do a Greek study of the word um, many times that is uh, translated age, okay, uh, it's the Greek word I-N-I-O-N, I think. Anion, I'm not saying if I'm sure it right. But anyway, 
uh, and I didn't, I didn't look it up. I, I kind of being spirit led here, but you can, you can look up the word. It, it, the thing is, is that what we think of as the age and the age to come, we think that the age that is now means the age before the return of Christ. And we think that the age to come means the age that's going to happen when Jesus returns, right? Like heaven, when heaven comes here uh, for good, right? But that is not the context of what Jesus was talking about or anytime when you're reading the scriptures, what, what the, what the apostles believed and what they were referring to when they talk about and being the last hour is you have to realize that when the New Testament was written, there were two, two ages or two systems that were in operation, right? There was the old covenant sacrificial system of Judaism that was taking place. And there was the new system, if you will, which was the gospel, which was the new covenant. There were two covenants that were operating simultaneously, right? The temple itself and that old sacrificial judicial system was not destroyed until 70 AD. Okay, 70 years passed before the temple was actually destroyed and that sacrificial system, the destruction of Jerusalem happened and that Jesus prophesied about that in Matthew 24. And so the age that was to come was the age after the the sacrificial system. Okay, so in this last hour that that the apostle John is talking about, he's talking about the last hours of of Judaism, of this this sacrificial system that Jesus came to abolish, that he came to replace. And if if that's not the case, well, then the last hour has lasted at this point over 2000 years. I mean, it's been a very, very long hour, right? And and even if we said a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, well, there's been multiple days that have happened because uh, it's 2000 years plus, and it's definitely been, there's 24 hours in a day. So it can't be, a, you know, like the last hour uh, and it still be the, you know, thousands and thousands of years later. So we just need to think a little bit about what is it that the age is talking about? What is, what, what was going on in the, in the, in the days that the, the New Testament was actually written? I mean, I remember when I first kind of realized this, I was like, wow, I never really thought about that, that there were actually two systems, um, that were in place when the gospels were written. Okay. And when the epistles were written. Okay. The second place it is uh, found is in first John 2 22. It says, who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the antichrist. He who denies the father and the son. So here in first John 2 22, the apostle John gives you an actual definition of what the antichrist is, right? It says it's a spirit. Okay. It'll tell you that. Um, let me just, let me read the rest and then I'll talk about it. In first John four, three, it says, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. So here the apostle John is saying the antichrist is already here. Okay, the Antichrist is not some Damien that's going to come in the future and the way that we've been taught it, because the the Antichrist was already there when when the Apostle Paul wrote these letters. Okay, in 2 John 1, 7, it says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world. 
Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. So let me let me stop here for a moment and just talk about this concept of what it, what really is the Antichrist? What is what is against Jesus come in the flesh? What is this idea that the Antichrist does not confess Jesus coming in the flesh? What is it about Jesus coming in the flesh that makes that so powerful? And why is this such a heresy and such a problem in the church that, that the churches that were existing it, when the epistles were written? Well, you have to understand that the primary problem that the gospel came to heal, okay, is this idea that mankind and human beings are separated from God. Okay, this is the deception that entered into the earth at the fall. Okay, it is the primary foundation and uh, force of religion on the planet today. You could almost go as far to say that to be anti-Christ is to be anti-union. It is to be anti-oneness with God. Okay, so I'm going to read um, just a few things from some of the notes that I, 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 I took from some different sources today. And there were just some really good points that I made here. So here's what it says. Our fallen minds have contrived a division between God and ourselves. Okay. Uh, and what we've done is we've invented, okay, this, this disembodied spirit, okay, and we've called this this God, right? We, we, we've, we've, we've got this idea that somehow God is a spirit way up there and that we are, are separated from him. And what we miss, okay, is that this mindset is one of the biggest reasons why the incarnation had to happen. Why? Because in the incarnation, it was the reconnection of heaven and earth, okay? It was the, 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 the eradication of this, this illusion that the material realm is separate from the spirit realm. So let me keep reading here. It says, the foundational doctrine of the fall of Adam is the concept of separation from God. It says this idea was profoundly developed and flourished in early Greek philosophy. And it has influenced and permeated Christian theology in the Western world for nearly 2000 years. Okay. It says the incarnation is a monumental shift in how we must view reality. God has come close. Okay. God has become a human being in the, in the incarnation. It says, now in this incarnation, heaven and earth are reconciled. It says, God and man found union in the flesh and the blood of the person of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth were permanently rewired in the person of Christ. And this union, it says, stands outside of the time, uh, the limitations of time and space. Now, this is pretty interesting. And I, I know I teach about this a lot, but it says, long before Jesus was born in a manger, his death mystically predated the foundation of the world. So this is a concept I think that blows people's minds that it's, it's from Revelation chapter 13, eight, right? That, that 
The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Okay, because God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and heaven transcend time and space. Okay, from God's perspective, who transcends time and space, the timeline that you and I think of when we think of time is not the way God views things. He sees a view where the cross was always finished. Okay, that, 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 that Jesus was slain before Adam fell. Okay, and this concept is, is described in Ephesians, for example, when in chapter one, the apostle Paul in, in verse, I believe it's verse four, he says that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy, to, so that we may be found holy and blameless in his sight. Meaning that in God's sight, he always saw us in Christ, that we were actually from God's perspective in Christ before we were in Adam. Okay. And Adam, the fall of Adam perpetuated a fallen mindset. Okay. Let me keep talking about this because what happened was, is that we were alienated from God in our minds. Okay, meaning that the separation that occurred between Adam and Eve and God happened in their minds. It happened in their perception. It's why Adam hid from the presence of God. It, there was a, what went from oneness went to separation and self-consciousness entered the world in that moment. And a self, a concept of a self Apart from Christ, apart from God, rather, this, this we, we, we had an independent self, this concept of an independent self, this concept of dualism, this concept of separation, right? This concept entered the planet. And prior to Adam and Eve, there was no self apart from God. There was just what we would call, um, non-dualism, right? There was no separation between heaven and earth. There was no separation between God and man. And there was this perfect union that existed between the material realm and the natural realm. But see what dualism teaches, what Gnosticism teaches is that these are separate things that, that it's, it's mind and, and matter is separate. It's spirit and matter is separate. It's that heaven and earth are separate rather than being entangled with one another. So the incarnation of Jesus is the undoing of dualism. It is the undoing of separation from God. And it is ultimately through the cross, the crucifixion of separation from God. And why this is important for us to understand, because the antichrist is anti-incarnation. The Antichrist is anti-Jesus come in the flesh. Why? Because it is a powerful revelation of the undoing of Adam. It is a, it is a powerful revelation of what a son of God actually is and what a son of God, how a son of God is designed to operate. See, Jesus wasn't just the undoing of Adam. He was the, uh, Firstborn in the new creation, he was a uh, the, the 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 elder brother of a family of sons of God, and this is why Jesus would say, 
The things that I do, you will do also, and even greater things, because I go to be with the Father. When you read in Ephesians chapter 4, when it talks about Jesus ascending, Jesus descending, Jesus ascending, what was happening in the uh, the descension and the ascension of Jesus is that Jesus was filling all in all. And in, 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 when it talks about that God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself, I mean, Jesus is now the preeminent one. All things were created through him and all things exist and, and are, are held together by him. Jesus is in all in all. This is why the, 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 the um, apostle Paul, when he was preaching to, you know, the quote unquote heathen to the Gentiles, he said, do you not know that we are, even your own philosophers say, do you not know that we are all God's children? He said, we live and move and have our being in God. And these were people that did not know about Jesus. These were people that didn't know anything. And and Peter, when he was up on the rooftop praying and he got that vision about the animals and, you know, God was telling him to rise and eat. And he said, oh, gosh, I've never eaten anything unclean. It was not about animals. It was about a picture of the heathen. It was about a picture of the Gentiles. And God said this, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. And so this reconciliation of all things to God, in God, being uh, this this non-dualistic joining of heaven and earth is what Jesus Christ accomplished. And the Antichrist is anti-oneness. The Antichrist comes against this idea that Jesus fills all in all, that the reconciliation between God and man has been accomplished. And by the way, it's not God reconciling to us. It's God reconciling us to him. God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself, reconciling the delusion of separation from God back to himself. And so, This is a very different idea of what the Antichrist spirit is about, rather than it being about some end times single person who is going to rule the world and 10 kingdoms and all of these things that we hear about in eschatology, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, one eschatology view. And so I'm sharing this today because so much of our lives are steeped in dualism. So much of our lives are steeped in this concept of separation. Um, and, and it's not just about separation between God and I, or between God and us, right? It's also separation and, and honestly, just become, being a, a belief that the material realm is actually evil, right? That is just Gnosticism at its purest form, right? That somehow the material realm or our bodies are evil. They're sin, you know, they're just evil. And yet to be spiritual is somehow holy, right? And we have, we have dummied down the gospel. We have diluted the gospel beyond the grand universal uh, scope that it actually touched, 
Right now, anytime I talk about this, that, you know, God has reconciled all things to himself and, and that don't call unclean what God has cleansed, or I talk, and I'm just quoting scripture, or I talk about, you know, we live and move and have our being in God. Okay. Immediately people get, you know, get up in arms and they're just like, what are you saying, Shalise, that everybody is saved, that everybody's a Christian? I'm not saying that, well, those are two separate things, by the way, uh, being saved and everybody being a Christian, all these, these terms, you guys, we have a vocabulary in Christianity that we haven't even really understood what we're saying with these words, right? What I'm saying is, is that not everybody knows that they have been reconciled to God. That is why we preach the gospel. That's why we the, the actual preaching of the gospel has been called the ministry of reconciliation, meaning that it is the announcement that you have been reconciled to God. It's the announcement that there is no separation between you and God anymore. It's the announcement that heaven has come to earth and that 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 not just come to earth, it's 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 inside of earth. Like it's in it's 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 a realm that exists inside of you you. And so the good news is the proclamation that your alienation from God that exists in your own mind is just a delusion. You've been under an, a deception. That's the deception. That's the deception that the God of this world has blinded the minds of people that don't believe the gospel. He's he's blinded their minds to believe that they have an independent self, that they have that they are independent from God, that they exist separate from God. That's why when the apostle Paul would preach the gospel to people or Peter or someone in the book of Acts, you just start reading. They would just share the gospel and all of a sudden people would be filled with the spirit. There wasn't an altar call. There wasn't a repenting of sins. They just heard what, who Jesus Christ was and the manifestation of that reconciliation would just manifest. It would just begin to, they would begin to be filled with the spirit. Well, I mean, nobody laid hands on them. Nobody, you know, said, let's, let's, uh, you know, say hallelujah, 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 really fast while I pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? No. Why? Because the Spirit of God was already in them. You know, I used to think that when you went down to the altar and you prayed the sinner's prayer that, you know, somehow the Holy Spirit hopped inside of you, that that was the moment that somehow this, this, that, you know, that was, you were saved, but it's, you were saved 2000 years ago. Uh, Christ died once for all. Right. We were saved at the cross. We were saved at the burial and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. We just don't know it. Right. And that is so such a big difference. It's it's and it's not universalism. Yes, we have a choice. Yes, we have to hear the gospel. But faith is a gift. Faith is is something that that is is released when the preaching of the gospel is the way that it's supposed to be taught. It's not a fear-based come to come to Jesus or you go to hell. No, it's a faith-based, a, a beautiful good news that says you have been reconciled to God. That the separation that you believe exists is only a figment of your imagination. It's a fallen mindset. So wake up, wake up, let the light of Christ shine in your hearts so that you can, you can experience the gospel. You can experience your union with Jesus. So this whole idea of the Antichrist is really, it is, is anti-union. It is anti-incarnation. It is, it is, it is a dualistic doctrine. It is Gnosticism that taught that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. And the reason that Gnostics believe that Jesus didn't come in the flesh is because they believe that God could not uh, inhabit anything that was evil, the material realm. And it was evil. Okay. So 
let me just read a little bit more about some of these notes here um, that I wrote because there's some really good stuff. Um, uh, let's talk about this. It says, these are some really good singers here. Bad theology produces bad worldviews. It says such worldviews have caused all sorts of destruction throughout the centuries. The incarnation flies in the face of group dualism that has shaped many of our ideas about theology, science, politics, and life itself. Again, dualism essentially defines the separation between the natural world and the spiritual world, between the visible and the invisible, between mind and being between matter. Right. It has uh, it's this idea that is predominantly, though, that we have separation between God and man. And the truth is, you guys, this stuff infected the church from the very, very beginning. Okay, this antichrist spirit has existed since the church existed. Okay, this has been uh, the spirit of religion. That, that, and really religion operates in really two ways. One is through following rules and laws and having some kind of moral code or, uh, self-righteousness that attempts to, uh, please God and attempts to climb into relationship with God and quote unquote, be saved right through its own good works. Okay. It is a self-righteous way. It is a self-salvation. It is not a cross-centered salvation. It is a salvation that is based upon works and an adherence to rules. It's the belief, right? That there's something we do, we do to get right with God. And then the other other big problem that the Apostle Paul and all of the epistles talks about is this idea of Gnosticism. It's this idea of the separation between God and man, the separation between heaven and earth, the separation between the material realm and the, the spiritual realm. And what that causes is it causes a lot of religion too, right? So we, we believe that, you know, we have all of these rules, right? And all of these things that we have to do, right? We got to read our Bible every day. We've got to We've got to, you know, dress a certain way to go to church. Um, we, we, you know, the secular is evil. Anything that is not overtly, the only thing that's holy is spiritual activities. Okay. So reading the Bible, worship, uh, going to church, doing Bible studies, uh, going to conferences. These are spiritual activities, but you know, uh, taking care of your kids, nursing your baby, going to actual work. Uh, going to the grocery store, doing laundry, God forbid, having sex or enjoying yourself at all, right? Like these things are evil. How do I know? I mean, I, my mom grew up as a, uh, in a, in a very, I don't even know what you call it. Just, it was Pentecostal, but it was extreme, right? These people could not cut their hair. These people could not wear makeup. These people could not uh, wear pants. They couldn't go to movies. They couldn't go to football games. They couldn't go skating. Everything was a sin. And truthfully, um, my mom left home at 18 just to escape that. Okay. My adopted mom. And honestly, she took me to a Southern Baptist church when I grew up because that was freedom for her. Cause at least you could wear makeup and at least you could wear pants and compared to what she grew up in. Okay. That was legalistic and that was freedom. So there are degrees that this 
evil world, this Gnosticism, the, the evil of, of, you know, anything that's not quote unquote spiritual, singing hymns and these things like that, that is the, I mean, that's an extreme way that Gnosticism is showing up in modern Christianity. And I mean, this is why the Apostle Paul had to say, you know, circumcision it doesn't account for anything, right? Like he was, he was trying to say that it's not these outward acts that, that matter anymore. What matters is Christ crucified, that you're a new creation, that you have been joined to the Lord. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And so this anti-Christ is anti the gospel, right? It's, it's either religious, it's anti, uh, you know, it's, it's anti the incarnation and this idea that, uh, an anti-legalism in this, I mean, I'm sorry, anti-grace in the sense that we have these legalistic rules and, and, and things that we have to follow in order to be righteous or it's separation from God. And so this is very, very different than what we have typically been taught is, is, what the antichrist is. And the other thing I think I have, you know, I, I, here's what I know is when I started to really get a revelation of my true identity in Christ, and I started to really get a handle on what Jesus actually accomplished on the cross. And I started to honestly get a revelation of my authority. Okay. Um, many of you know, maybe you don't, that I started in ministry when I was still in corporate and I, I didn't know anything really about anything at the time. I just could hear the voice of God and God would tell me to go talk to, I was living in downtown Chicago at the time and he would tell me to go talk to homeless people. And next thing you know, I'm like ministering to crack addicts on the street. I'm ministering to people that were steeped in really deep bondage. And I remember all of a sudden I get thrown into these, these situations where I was, I was involved in doing deliverance and I didn't even know anything except like come out in Jesus name. I mean, I remember I would just pray in tongues and one time and somebody came up to me and they were like, you know, you need to say the name of Jesus, you know, like I, the point is, is like, I didn't even know how to do that, but I started coming against the kingdom of darkness and I needed to get some really good understanding of, of my authority in Christ very quickly. And so I started studying the dunamis of God. I started studying scriptures like I saw fate, Satan fall from heaven like lightning from the sky. Um, I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. I started understanding these signs will follow them that believe. They shall cast out devils. You know, I started reading the gospels and Jesus would say, as you go, preach the kingdom of God is at hand. Cast out devils, right? Uh, preach. Um, you know, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, heal the sick, you know, and I, I started reading uh, scriptures in Philippians, right, that said that there's no other name given, you know, except Jesus. Jesus is the name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. I started reading in Ephesians where Jesus is seated. We're seated in him in heavenly places, but he's seated far above powers and principalities and rulers of darkness in this age and the age to come. Uh, I started reading Colossians. I started reading the epistles. I started reading the gospels. I really didn't touch Revelation too much because I was just still trying to get who I am in Christ. But here was the thing, as I just couldn't understand, I mean, in Hebrews, where it talks about that Jesus became a human being and that through his death, he destroyed the one that had the power of death and that that set free all of those of us who through all of our lives had been subject to, to, uh, subject to death be, through the fear of death. I mean, 
I, be, I began to read like, whoa, what in the world? Who is this Jesus? In Matthew 28, it says, all power and all authority have been given unto me. And I just got such a big vision of the victory that Jesus accomplished. I, I, I began to get a big vision of how powerful we are in Christ, how powerful the church is, that we have the same power that was wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. We have the same power that um, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And so I just it just just kind of by, uh, I don't know, just a logical thought process, I began to say, well, wait a minute. If we have the name of Jesus and it's the name above every name, if we are, are victorious, if we're overcomers, if Jesus made an open show of, of, of the enemy and, and this triumph procession, if the ordinances that were written against us were nailed to the cross, like what is what's left? What's left for the devil? What does he actually own? If, if Hebrews 1, 3, Jesus is the lawful owner of all things, like what authority does the devil actually have? What authority would an antichrist actually have? Like if someone came and said like, I'm the antichrist, I just started to think like, well, why wouldn't we just get him delivered? Like, why wouldn't we just cast the devil out of this, this demon possessed person? Like I, I couldn't understand. I couldn't reconcile this idea that the kingdom of God is not going to continue to expand. It says of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. It says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the small of the seeds when it's planted, but it, 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 it grows and it overtakes everything. And so it, what it caused me to do is dive deep into like things that I just knew inherently, intuitively, like something is off because these doctrines empower the devil. These doctrines make the devil like an equal with Jesus. Like we're in still in some war rather than the war was actually won. And so I just intuitively began to search for answers for these things. And that's when I began to study topics like eschatology, topics like the Antichrist, topics like Gnosticism, topics that, that I just, I had not been taught. I had not been taught in church. Now, thankfully, I, I got connected with some really good teachers and some really good resources on these things. And I began to learn that, that church history did not even support these, these doctrines, these end time doctrines. I started to realize about something called the Schofield Bible, which which is really where the eschatology a lot of Christians believe today, where it originated. And it's not old. It's the 1800s. Then I began to learn about Darby and I began to learn like the origins of what we actually believe. I began to study some of the church fathers and start to think how they taught. What did they believe? They were the ones that were closest to you know, the Apostle Paul and, and those things that the original gospel and how it was communicated. And I just began to become a student. I began, I began to, to, to open up the possibility that maybe there were alternative views and that maybe the good news is actually good news. Maybe what Jesus accomplished, maybe the more that we magnify that, maybe the more that we really get, that we, we heal from this illusion of separation and we begin to recognize our identity in Christ, maybe things are, are way better than we've been taught. And so here's the thing, you guys, the truth, the revelation that you have, and it doesn't mean just the truth that you hear. It means the revelation that you get, it changes you. It actually manifests. It sets you free. Free from what? Free from the illusion of separation. Free from... um the old man. Okay. Like you, when you have a revelation of this, I mean, guys, things happen all the time in my life that I am in awe of. 
Uh, I mean, I just had, I just had, uh, dinner with a friend, uh, last week. And I mean, we weren't doing anything. We're having sushi. I was having a glass of wine. We're just talking. I'm processing a bunch of things with her. She calls me the next morning and said, you know what? I was totally healed. I, I just, just, you know, when I'm with you, I wake up the next morning. It's like, I'm hearing God more clearly. I don't even know what's happened. I mean, I was so blessed by that, but why? Because I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't trying to be spiritual. I wasn't trying to preach the gospel. We weren't worshiping God per se. I mean, we were talking about God because I mean, pretty much all my conversations, I'm talking about Jesus. So we were talking about spiritual things, but it's not like I was doing some super spiritual lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I mean, we read stories like Peter's shadow healed someone and we think that, wow, he must have been really anointed. Like that must have been really a powerful thing to happen. No, you guys, Jesus dwells in our in our bodies, it, no matter what their shape, no matter what their size, no matter whether we need to lose weight, we needed to gain weight, whether we have it all together, whether we don't have it all together, whether we are, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not, um, a function of what we've done. It's a function of what Jesus has done. Now, the difference is, is that when we begin to believe it, it begins to manifest. When I say believe it, I mean, when you get a revelation of it and even the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus said, no one can come to the father. No one can come unless the father draws them. No one, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is required here, meaning it's grace by grace through faith. We are saved. It's not of ourselves. And even that it says, you know, by grace through faith, it's the faith of the son of God. Faith is also a gift. When we hear the gospel, you know what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, meaning faith is deposited into us as we hear the revelation of God, as we get a revelation of God. So this is, is, is so much better than we've been taught. And so I'm going to teach more on Gnosticism. I'm going to teach more on, oh gosh, all of these topics that, that I've been covering in today's podcast. But I think I've got given you a really good introduction that the Antichrist has been around not and even the word the was added. It's Antichrist spirit. The the Antichrists have been here since the early church. So we aren't living in we're living in modern times. We are living in times that are very different than culturally than biblical times. But the fight that we're in is not a new fight. It's a it's it's a new it's it's the same fight, and it's it's a fight against separation from God. It's a fight to heal the, the illusion of separation from God. It's a fight to, uh, to understand that we are, we are to be, to be let, that we are not just physical beings, but we are spiritual beings. And we're not, the spiritual part of us is not holier than the physical part of us, right? Um, when the, when the Bible talks about flesh versus spirit, it's really about a flesh mindset. It's not about our bodies being evil. It's about our mindsets being evil. It's about the deception that, 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 that comes through the separation of God. So I'm going to wrap for today, but hopefully you guys are, you're, you know, your, your interest has been piqued. Uh, you're, you'll want to do some more study on this and, um, We'll be posting some resources for you guys so that if you want to do a deeper dive in, uh, you know, eschatology, you want to do a deeper dive just to give you some alternative views. Again, at the end of the day, I guess I want to find, I'll, I'll finish with this. It is not about you agreeing with me. Okay. I mean, I get comments on things that I type and I post and, you know, that I share all the time. And I mean, some of those can be, um, 
I mean, I get accused of being a false teacher. I get, you know, I get different things sometimes. But I just want to tell you guys, it, it's, I'm not, I want you to study this out yourself. I want you to, to really form your own theology. Yes, um, the Bible, yes, the scripture, but I want you to really, um, develop it so that it's your own revelation. And at the end of the day, if you disagree with me, you know what? We are still one in Christ. At the end of the day, if you, if you translate or you hold a different interpretation of eschatology than I do, guess what? You still are one with Jesus. I'm still one with Jesus. We're still members of one another. And in the end, okay, it's all, it's all, we're all going to, you know, we see through a glass darkly. So at the end, I don't know that any of us have it all right, but the highest, the highest call is to love. The highest call is to uh, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. The highest call is to be peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. The, it, it's to not be easily offended. It's to not keep a record of wrongs. It's not to, to debate for, uh, you know, the, even the purpose of I'm right, you're wrong. It's just, to grow into the fullness of the stature of Jesus. So I know I've said a lot. We'll continue the study. And in the meantime, I encourage you guys to, you know, go study out these scriptures for you. Do a Google, do Google searches on it. There's so much information out there, right? Um, and I'll, again, I'll continue to post some resources, resources for you. So God bless you. Have a super, supernatural week. And we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalice.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalice's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalice.com and watch Shalice's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.